together here in, uh, in the sanctuary, we'll continue uh, in worship uh, as we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Last week, we read the final verses of Philippians 1, and now we turn uh, the page to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me there. If not, you could follow along with the words on the screen as we together hear the word of the Lord. Paul writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing. So we together give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to gather together your people around your holy word. I pray that you would use this time as a a space of vulnerability, as a space of transformation, so so that we would not only be hearers of your word, but we would be doers as well. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we come to know and understand your word and your will open our hearts that we would feel its power, then I ask that you would open our hands, that we, your people, would be an outpouring of grace and love unto the world. We pray this, your people, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, yesterday was an extraordinary day in the life of the church. We hosted the Young Minds Mental Health Seminar in the morning for pre-elementary and elementary age uh, families and loved ones and in the afternoon for teenagers. And, and, uh, and it, was, it was beautiful to see the community response uh, to this obvious and, and touching need. Uh, in the morning, uh, I, I gave a, a word of greeting, and then I, I was one of the, the, the volunteers back with Miss Patricia in, uh, in Cove Kids because we hosted not just the parents uh, for the morning session, but also the kiddos. And so we had uh, tons of kiddos, and I was assigned to be uh, the, 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 the extraordinary uh, partner to Chris Scott. Uh, and, and, and Chris Scott was, was, uh, was in there whenever I got in the room because I was already uh, taking some time to do prayer. And whenever I went into the room, he had these uh, 20-ish uh, elementary age kids playing a game. And I had seen the game played before with youth, uh, so I knew it. I always called it Choice Challenge. Uh, I don't know what he called it, but he was in the flat middle of it. When we play it with youth, it looks something like this. 
you put everybody in the middle, and then you give them two choices. And they got to go to one side or the other, and then they have to defend their position. So you say like Coke or Pepsi, and everybody goes to Coke, and no one goes to Pepsi because it's disgusting and deplorable. All right, and then everybody like rallies around and talks about how great Coke is. Like that, that's the kind of thing. Uh, and, and whenever I walked in the room, I mean, Chris was, was uh, okay, a red or blue. Uh, and I think it had something to do with the fact that we have a, a football game coming up next week in Tomball, uh, Tomball versus Tomball Memorial, red and blue. And so he was trying to kind of lean in there as the principal of Tomball High School. And what was interesting is they split up red and blue and the kids were all divided. And, and, and he first asked the blue uh, side, why did you choose? blue and then he also articulated as the principal of Tomball High School that they were wrong uh, which I thought was interesting as, as uh, a group of, uh, of, of, of elementary age kids they didn't know about this rivalry but nonetheless uh, he, he asked and one of the kids said uh, I like pink pink's my favorite color to which everybody thought well that's a shade of red so why are you over there and, and she then proceeded to say, but blue is my second, so that's why. Check, I am on the, the blue team. But, but he kept going and he, he kept leaning in. It wasn't just colors, it was, uh, it was activities. It was, it was, do you like video games more or television more? And there was like vast debate amongst the elementary school kids about TV or video games. And then he came to the real clincher. He said, I've been laying it up on a tee. This has been too easy for y'all. I really need to lean in. Whenever you have to have something to eat, if you have no other choices but bugs or lizards, which one would you eat? I thought this was an extraordinary question, right? And to see the kids, like, they all immediately went, whoa. You know, like it was, it was like hard for them to even conceive of eating one or the other. And I went to the lizard team because obviously if you just put it on a spick, rotate it a little bit after you skin it, a little olive oil, salt and pepper tastes like chicken. Okay, that, that was, that was my, my, my belief. Not that I've ever done such a thing, but I, I like gator, gator and lizards, like close, similar. All right, so, um, but to hear the kids try to debate it, I think this is a really good thing because they have to think about their choices. But in the midst of doing this, one of the things that I realized was we were creating space for them to articulate their uniqueness, the process of their decision making, but also their differences. And we live in a, in, in a, in a world, in a culture, in a time when, when we have more differences than we have commonality, it seems. And, and, and there, are, there are so many ways in which we're divided, chopped up from one another. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to begin the list because somehow, some way, I'm certain that I would get in trouble. But I'm not going to get in trouble. I'm just going to let your mind think of all the ways in which you're divided from one another. I'm looking at your eyes. You're processing it. You're not done yet because there's that many, right? Like that's, that's exactly the point. So whenever we hear from Paul in Philippians that, that we are to be like-minded, we have one of, of two responses. We're either skeptical because we don't believe it's possible because we've been trained to, uh, to live into uh, our divisions rather than lean into our unity. So we might be skeptical. Paul says, be like-minded, and we're like, eh, no. Or we might be entirely adverse to the concept 
Because, because if, if we're being like-minded, we might have certain terms that rise into our consciousness that are thrown around like weapons in, in our culture today, like ideologue. Oh, they're, they're, they're functioning as an ideologue. And whenever you hear that term, you're like, I don't know what it means, but it sounds bad. Being an ideologue literally means to be an unwavering proponent of an ideology. Well, that wasn't helpful because, you know, you know that's always interesting when you go to like Webster and, and the definition of a complex word just uses like the root complex word and then you, you're not any further than you were to begin with. So to live into what that is, to be an ideologue is to be an uncompromising adherent to an ideology. What is an ideology? An ideology is simply a system of ideas or ideals. Ideology is merely a system of ideas or ideals. So you might begin like, like backpedaling a little bit. You know, you and I have been trained to think that being an ideologue is something that's inherently evil. It's thrown around as a weapon uh, to describe your opponents. Of course, you know, we're not one of them, right? Only the other is the ideologue. We're never the ideologue. That's how the weapon is used. Uh, but, but then what's fascinating, though, is when we hear the actual definitions, we might want to backpedal a second and say, hold on. Isn't the quality, the good or the evil of the ideology actually dependent on what the idea or ideal is. Because if the idea or the ideal is good, righteous, holy, then wouldn't we actually want to be uh, uh, unwavering in our adherence to that ideology? Of course. But if the idea or the ideal is evil, then that would produce evil. So why does Paul use this language, this like-minded language, this be-of-the-same-mind language? We have, to, we have to walk our way through this passage of Scripture, and then the idea and the ideal is revealed, and, and we might be invited to reconsider whether or not this is the type of thing that we want to give our life to. So he in verses 1 and 2, actually does something extraordinary. He, he gives an if, then, and by statement. Now, we're familiar with if and then, but, but, but sometimes we get to then statements, and we wonder how or, or what that looks like, and he actually lays it all out there in a by statement, if, then, by, in two verses. So we're going to walk through those together. If you still have your Bibles, uh, I hope that you'll turn there. Uh, we're going to hear this. Now, first of all, uh, chapter 2 opens with the word, therefore. Now, that means that everything that was, uh, that was spoken of last week at the conclusion of chapter 1 is brought into this message today that Paul is saying we have talked about what it, what it means to conduct our lives as worthy of the gospel in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the framework that I ended with last week. And now we're moving to the therefore. Because that's our aim 
Let's hear this. And then he gives the if statement. It's a fourfold if statement. And it actually builds in a beautiful, uh, a beautiful progression for us. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. Now, the first thing I want to, to note out of those four different if statements is that they're all, uh, they're all framed with the word any. If any, if any, if any, if any any, which is a really helpful space for us to to be in as Paul invites us uh, into this text because sometimes we are actually able to say 100% all, 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 but sometimes in life when we think about our journey of faith, it's it's not always all, sometimes it's any, sometimes we're, we're, just, we're just scratching and clawing with all that we have, the energy and force that we could muster because uh, we are struggling and striving to hold on to our faith. So Paul uses the word any, so even in the spaces of challenge, doubt, struggle, we can still enter in. And then he builds it in a progression. If any, the first is if there's any encouragement from being united with Christ. And he's talking to the Christian brothers and sisters uh, to the church in Philippi. And so we can relate to that as the Christian brothers and sisters here at Covenant and Creekside. And we can think about what it means to be in Christ. And, and when, we're, when we're in Christ, when we're believers, we know that we're not alone, that we're united with others, that we're walking this out, knowing that no one walks alone. And, it, and Paul says, if there's any encouragement in Christ. Well, and as a progression, that's a great starting point because we could think about that as a baseline and we could say, oh yeah, absolutely. I've felt what that encouragement means, what, what being in Christ united to other people means because whenever I have needed a hand up, I've had a brother or sister that's reached out and walked alongside me there. So that's the baseline. If encouragement and unity of Christ... But then he continues on, if there's any comfort from his love. And you're like, well, yeah, of course. Jesus' love is indeed comforting. Knowing that, that, I, that I am loved, that I'm valued such that God would, would, would give his son, that his son would come and selflessly walk in the world and even die for me. I, I'm comforted by the fact that I am loved and cared for by Christ. So again, we're still easing in encouragement in the unity of Christ, that we have comfort in love. And then it starts to continue to, to turn. And, and maybe if it was inverted, we might have had some, some challenge entering into this if-then statement. But then it continues, if there's any common sharing in the Spirit. And we've talked about this over the last couple of months, that, that, that we have been gifted the work of the Holy Spirit, that the divine presence of the Lord God Almighty lives in us and then has its being in the world through us, that the Holy Spirit is not only in us, but it's moving amongst us and around us. And so that sharing of the Spirit is something that whenever we move from the, the constraints of the physical, we can understand the metaphysical transcendent presence of God and then finally it says if there is any tenderness or compassion and if that was the first one I wonder if 
there would be times in our lives where we would say, I don't know how much tenderness or compassion I have today. Maybe, maybe today I, I don't have any. But it's been built on the body of Christ through faith in Jesus, the love that we have and comfort that that brings and the work of the Spirit. So when we arrive at tenderness and compassion, we are moved to reflect on the root of that being strung through a woven tapestry all the way back from our faith in Jesus. This if statement invites us in. It invites you and me to the table and says, if you have faith in Jesus and all of these things are a part of your life because of that, then... Now, for some of us, we might not yet have faith in Jesus. We might be wondering, uh, how, can, how can I decide if this is something I want to be a part of? Well, we could see that, that these are gifts that we receive as a part of our faith in Jesus, but I, I might want to examine what's the call in response. And that's why Paul in, in uses this as an invitation, not just uh, as an expression for us to understand who we are, but us to then be sent forth and called into the world. His then statement I can uh, resonate with, that resonates with me. He says, then make my joy complete. Now, at first glance, we might be like, well, Paul, isn't your joy already complete? Yesterday, we were, we were back in the Young Minds, and I was with the elementary school kids, and we finished our little choice game, and we had an activity, and then we broke up, and Chris was in one room with some of our teenage volunteers, and I was in another one, and I was in charge of making the worry monsters. Okay, so the worry monsters is where you feed your worries and your anxieties so that you don't carry them as your own burden, but you give them away, right? And so we had these, uh, these crafts. So I, as soon as I say we had crafts, you start to understand I'm not in my wheelhouse. Okay, I'm not where I'm meant to be, nor am I comfortable with where I am. Uh, and so we have these eyes that need to glue on, and we have all these pipe cleaners that they could turn into hair, and they're making curly cue hair and funky hair, and then they had feathers, and I'm like, feathers? And they had the whole thing going on. Well, they're getting a little bit bored with the activity, so some of the kids that were there were covenant folks, knew me, some of them weren't, didn't know me. And so one of the covenant folks that is rather familiar with me decides to take the pipe, pipe cleaner and use it as a sword against me. Whap! Caught it on the leg. Luckily, I wasn't bleeding because that thing's made of metal on the inside, right? Well, then all the ones that didn't know me decided to join in. And they all grabbed their pipe cleaners, and it was attack Pastor Jason back in Cove Kids. And, and, and the, the, the youth that was in there volunteering with me was just laughing at the whole thing. <laughs> I was like, where's my support? Like, I gotta have backup. Where, where are you at? And they're like, I'm nowhere to be found. Pastor Jason, take your licks. So I was taking my licks. They were beating me with pipe cleaners. They were throwing stuff at me. And I was like, finit, none, no more, sit down. And... They didn't listen, <laughs> and they kept hitting me and beating me up, and finally I got them to sit down, and once they sat down, I then uh, needed a place to sit myself because I was, like, weary, and so I found the little couch that's in there. Uh, the couch goes up to, like, here, so you, you kind of have to, you know, be really careful when you get down into it, otherwise you're going to throw your back out, so I lay down on the couch, and, uh, and one of the kids said, 
you look sad, Pastor Jason. Are you okay? And I said, I'll always be okay. You know why? Because can't nobody steal my joy. And then I started singing. I sang, I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? And no one sang with me. But I kept singing, and I sang louder, and I sang with more energy and fervor, and they were like, shh, and I'll like plug in their ears and I kept singing. I even got to the second verse. I got the wonderful love of my precious redeemer way down in my heart. Like I gave the whole thing, right? Where? Down in my heart. Yeah, see, where was the crowd? I had no backup in there. So, so whenever I hear Paul say, make my joy complete, my initial response is, isn't it already complete? Because you have the love of Jesus. But here's the nuance that calls us forward. He says, make my joy complete because he as a Christian, as a pastor, as an evangelist, but first and foremost as a Christian, understands that his joy isn't complete until his joy is contagious. Did you hear that? His joy isn't complete until his joy is contagious. And he needs to invite other people into that life filled with joy that, that, that they then can experience the grace we have in Jesus Christ and, and they become a part of that encouraged family. So here's the by. So he says, if you have encouragement in the unity of Christ, if you have comfort from his love, if you have common sharing of the spirit, if you have tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by by being like-minded, there was that word that began the whole thing for us. This cause of suspicion and wonder, is it possible? This, this, this doubt of, of capacity or the, the pushback of thinking that that just leads to uh, an ideology that you don't know if you want to be a part of. But then it lays forward the by three more times. By having the same love, by being one in spirit, and by being one in mind. It restates by being one in mind. Spirit, love, one in mind, which would invite us to a very focused life aimed, aimed at Jesus' love for the world. You see, in verse 5, it says, in your relationships with others, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then it goes into this beautiful hymn about who Christ Jesus is and the kind of selflessness that he exemplified and the way that he humbled himself in the world, that he could have oriented his life in a position of power as to be wielded, but rather he humbled himself and laid himself bare in love for the world. And that's the good news gospel measure that we're invited into. The Gospel of John articulates it in this way in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is what Jesus says. We want to know what the mind of Christ is. Here's the mind of Christ. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everybody will know that you are my disciples if when you love one another. Jesus says, as I love, as my mind is set and focused on intentionally loving every single person I encounter, 
so you too then ought to love one another. If you want to have my mind, have a mind of love. And, and, and that's going to challenge you some days and with some people to God be the glory. And that's going to challenge you uh, on, on other days with other people to God be the glory. God invites us to have a mind of love as Christ had for the world. And, and if you think that this word of Jesus wasn't the, the, the focus of the Christian community in the early church, uh, there's two letters from John. Later on, after the resurrection and the ascension that, that uh, are sent into uh, the Christian community and fellowship to reaffirm the teachings of the faith. And here's what 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 says. And this is his command. Restating that which Jesus said. Continuing on, perpetuating. Decades later. Do you remember specific things that were spoken decades later? I mean, that, that's the kind of stuff that, that we celebrate, right? Whenever we have a, remem- a, a celebration of life, whenever, whenever one of our loved ones die, we come together and someone comes forward and gives a remembrance. And what's one of the most common things that remembrance will do? I remember that my mom always said. And whether that, that was said recently or said in the growing up years, it just stuck and stayed so that decades later you knew that's what that person was about. That's the kind of track and trajectory that this statement had. Love one another because in 1 John three twenty three it says, and this is his command, this is Jesus' command. Believe, and then it concludes, love one another just as Jesus commanded us. Love as Jesus commanded us. In 2 John, just one page later in the first chapter, verse five, it says, and now, dear lady, he's writing to a woman who's raised up children in the faith uh, as a word of encouragement to her. He says, I'm not, I am not writing you a new commandment. I'm not giving you something fresh, something innovative, something that's going uh, to really be a, a change or a shift from what was. I'm writing you something that we've had from the beginning, he says. I ask that we love one another. Whenever we hear Paul write and invite us to be like-minded, to be of the same mind, that mind that is in Christ Jesus we are invited to put on love. He says that his joy is complete when it's contagious and that joy is in others. That happens, that work happens of multiplying joy through unconditional, selfless, humble, Jesus-oriented love. Now, that's an idea, that's an ideal I'm willing to be unwavering about. That, that's, that's an ideology that we can stand on. Love your neighbors as yourself. Love, Jesus, love as Jesus loves. May I be called an ideologue. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are invited into that like-mindedness today.
that transcends all of the other divisions that whirled and swirled through your minds and mine earlier this morning. Let us move forward and live outside of and above those divisions as we are like-minded, loving as Jesus loves. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, what a, what a compelling invitation you have for us today to put on the mind of your son, Jesus Christ. What a gift that would be that, that, that we would humble ourselves and, and be as selfless and loving and generous as Jesus. Lord, I pray, I pray that, 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 that we would be filled with your spirit, that we would be equipped for the work of of ministry in this world, Lord, because it will be challenging. It will not be easy, but we are fervent adherents to your truth. Lord, let this not just be an idea or ideal, but let it be the pattern of our lives.